Not only is it deeply fulfilling to make podcasts that bring new perspectives on society to folks, with Anchor, it's incredibly simple. It's a free podcast host with tons of creation tools that help make cut and polished podcasts straight from your phone or computer. Anchor makes podcasting simple. They distribute your work to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other major platform distributors. They come with a built-in advertising system so you can make money without a minimum listenership. It's got everything you need to make a fantastic podcast in one place. So go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome everyone, my name is Fitzgerald Pucci, and this is Deconstruct. On Deconstruct, we seek to approach and address the ongoing societal myths causing our society to act against its own interests. We bring a multifaceted take, exploring the history and origin behind each myth we address, following the money trail of major institutions who have taken benefit from these, exploring different societal ramifications, and equipping a listener with a multitude of lenses to view the perspectives of the circumstance with a fresh pair of eyes. Today, we're going to dive into a personal aspect and a personal myth. It's a myth that I've been believing in for years that's been messing with me a lot lately, especially in the time of coronavirus. It is the myth of the expectation of my own productivity the myth that the previous model that existed two, three months ago before the pandemic happened is the same one that is applying today. We'll dig into how much has changed and how we can find power and joy and a new level of liberation in creating the new paradigm for productiveness and of what is productive that will come for the extended time to come. To start, let's talk about productivity. I've been believing that my productivity still needs to be like it was before everything changed. And I've been having difficulty ascertaining meaning in my life now. How do I do it? It feels even harder now, in the wake of the coronavirus, to put things of value into my daily path. Now, one can most definitely argue that the idea of value and meaning in the first place is not dependent upon how productive I am. There are certainly elements of my expectations and pre-programmed self that deserve further exploration in this moment. Tremendous change is happening around us. And it feels really easy for me to lock myself into the cycle of negative feelings and failed expectations about how productive or unproductive I am in any given moment. One part of this is that really terrible feeling that comes when I don't feel like I'm enough. I am spending so much of my time at times just trying to outrun that feeling, the feeling of being stuck. Uh, alone, separate from my friends. I want to focus the thing on the things that I miss. Bonfires, longboard trips, trips to the beach, and dancing in bars. Going runny in the balmy breeze without a mask. And the fantasy of political hope. What a hit that has taken in the past couple of months. 
especially since uh, Bernie Sanders dropped out of his campaign, I've been feeling a lot of sadness. It's an entirely different beast of burden, the political aspect of this. But it's just as real a component of what's driving me to run and to hide and to distract myself from the pain that I've been experiencing. So there's this pressure, this burden. It could be stemming from a financial situation, the feeling of unwillingness to interact with the rest of the world, my own inability to digest how much destruction has happened, or even the proclivity to try to tell the future and predict what's going haywire and the messages of doom in regards to what's coming next. I'm losing my cool about things that I'm picturing in the distant future before I even let myself acknowledge the hurt and trouble that's coming in this moment. How does that make any sense? I'm channeling this grief that hasn't even happened yet. I'm borrowing this trouble for a completely different time before I ever take a step out of my blanket and face today. Maybe it's because I don't know how to deal with today just yet. We've been in the time of the pandemic now for almost three whole months. There's a lot of grief to associate this, and the processing of this grief in a way that will allow us to heal. Before, that was not something that we were told was valuable, but now, it's something that could really, truly be productive. It's not that this kind of work is bringing a paycheck, or that it's putting food on the table, or bolstering finances, which is part of this tremendous pressure that's been amplified during this. Mass unemployment, a job market absolutely crashing, finances are big on the thoughts of a lot of people right now. And even though this doesn't necessarily help the finances, the inner work is helping me grow more able to cope with and experience the situation at hand on its own terms. Healing and working through this grief is allowing me a certain amount of control over my personal end of this pandemic. And that's going to give me a wealth of this kind of value that isn't quite visible. But just because I can't see it the way that I'd be able to see a piece of art, or a wooden cabinet, or a meal that I could make, it doesn't mean that it is without value. And there's the trap, and this expectation of productivity that my brain has steered me towards for decades. That part of my brain that puts tremendous pressure to achieve a physical outcome, and simultaneously, it self-sabotages. It loves to throw the feeling of lacking worth, like it's a flaming bag of doggy doo-doo delivered to my door every single hour. It's so specific with its definition of what allows me to feel proud, of at the time I spend in a day, and it's so ready to invalidate the vast majority of things that I would accomplish. In order to get a clear, strong boundary against this sensation pulling me towards that flaming doggy bag, I want to ground myself in how valuable the work of processing is. There's a lot to it in this moment for me to heal. First, I've got to get this bag off of my doorstep. I've got to brush away the feeling of worthlessness before I can do anything else, and I've got to do something to prevent those further deliveries. 
One of the ways it works really well in this is to set up an internal rhythm propelling me forward. Once I get in a flow, it becomes so much easier to avoid that gnawing pitfall of a feeling. If I can surmount that initial feeling, then the outcome of my day becomes radically different. So much of the time that I spend that feels frustrating or empty comes as a result of whether or not I manage that bag on my doorstep. So many of the days that I've lost, I've been sitting in my blanket, coated in the stink of dog butts, either feeling utterly defeated by it, or spending the entire day immersed in doing something to distract myself from it. It's such a tremendous obstacle to hurdle over, but at the same time, it's really just the tip of the iceberg of what it is I need to work through. It's like a chain of logic. Have you dealt with the feeling of worthlessness stemming from your own expectations? No? Okay. You're gonna spend the whole day smelling like dog butts, unless that changes. Yeah? Well, if you did, that's great. Now it's time to move on to the meaning you'll create in your day. Will I do something significant to change the environment I'm in for the better? Or will I work towards something productive that's just meant to satisfy my hunger to have accomplished something? And, you know, there's value in that. There is value in that. If I'm accomplishing for accomplishment's sake, things get kind of tricky, and the situation doesn't quite resolve itself. Now, before we go down into the logic chain any further, I want to take a moment to give some context around why the invalidating feeling for me is at the top of that sequence. When I was young... I was conditioned to have a very intense self-judgment that linked my value as a person to what I accomplished in the hours I existed where everyone else was at work. I dreaded 3.15pm because it came with three very strong sensations. The wash of dread as the car rolled into the driveway. The frantic scurry to rearrange my space and self into a way that wouldn't be criticized. And that final question that still makes me shiver. What did you do today? I slaved over myself to come up with the most convincing answer as possible. Every day. To try and sound productive. To at very least avoid the quiet indignation I would receive if I didn't. It happened like clockwork. As regularly as we fed the dogs at six. My family was very much into routines, very much into control in the earlier parts of my teenage years. It was a very unpleasant sensation sometimes. So, the question lingered with me for years. When applied in its worst, that feeling of dread that I felt all the way back a decade ago, I would sink into the floorboards and become consumed in a hopeless anticipation for the destruction of my self-worth in that day. Because, I mean, hey, I liked playing video games and goofing off in my youth. I didn't have a lot of connections in the outside world, so that was how I coped for a large part of the time I spent there. Sue me about it. If it wasn't the dread, it was the frantic rush to put myself together. That, uh, that sensation was what took the wheel. That delirious mania. Sometimes delicious mania that propelled me at a breakneck speed 
to accomplish a frenzied series of things and feel the rewarding joy of a potentially positive outcome. Both still exist today. The dread of hindering and the mania commonly helping. Excuse me, the dread hindering and the mania oftentimes helping. So, when I made it through the past reenacting itself in my psyche, I'd be able to progress to what's next. Is what I'm doing changing my environment or self for the better? Or am I just doing this for the sake of being busy? Here, we see a reflection in the deep instilled mindset of capitalism, the Andrew Carnegie flavor of capitalism, which ended approximately two months and 27 days ago. Let's take a moment to reflect the standard I imposed on myself. When my father asked me, what did you do today? He had an expectation of what the threshold of enough was. He was a hardworking man. He worked eight hour days in a hospital as a surgical technician. He had a good idea of what the value of his work was. He put that against what I had accomplished as a kid and determined for himself whether or not I passed that threshold. Here's the thing. We all have that threshold. And it's getting jacked up through inflation, college debt, a vastly changing economic world. It's tightening its hold over the coming generations with increasing vice-like intensity. I know my internalized problem is not unique to me. People all around the world are getting their value squeezed out of them like lemons in a juicer and having identity crises at how little their financial normality is getting them. The capital systems depend on the populace abiding in it to remain emotionally unequipped to deal with its invalidations and it gives us a toolkit and vocabulary so lacking to the components necessary to heal ourselves. My hope is to change that and to talk about it in future episodes. Frankly, that system is just plain old toxic. But the less we know about how to build ourselves up and find emotional security, the more likely we are to buy the products advertised to us, to believe the marketers who are brainwashing us so skillfully to believe everlasting happiness really does exist in their product. That system had its own slew of problems and it helped my father determine just what the threshold was for my own productivity. But that system is gone now. The coronavirus has struck our world like the hammer of God, and it has irreparably changed the way our planet, our population, and our global economic structure function. With that being said, Here's where the interesting part comes in of the internal, invisible work. There is a lot to sift through when an entire global paradigm shifts. We are essentially, by the hundreds of millions, if not billions, waiting our way with a flickering flashlight through unbelievably dense fog, reading signs few and far between that read like foreign languages. Uncertainty is everywhere around us. The process of coming up with a game plan on how to function and all of this is, in itself, tremendously powerful work. Going back to the logic chain, let's say I'm being productive on a day. 
Let's say that productivity is keeping me focused, away from the doom and gloom of the situation that could pose as a threat to wrap me up in that place I don't want to be in. While in one way it's helpful for my work ethic to be surmounting this paralysis that I could get sucked into, it's also serving me to distract from a problem whose roots are extending deeper than my solution is able to penetrate. This is where the invisible work gets to be really, really valuable. This is where the value of the invisible work transcends the previous construct of what productive value looked like beforehand. This work doesn't register on our previous model of productivity. But the previous model is as obsolete as an iPhone 6. It's true. And here, that is where the real pioneer stuff starts happening. We have a value that is deep and transformative, that creates change in a field of existence that many of us are still unwilling to grasp or sit with. I mean, as, as capitalists would describe, we're in an unexplored niche. We're in an untapped gold mine of value that has not been named yet, that has not been realized yet. Being still in the upswing of growth, in coming to terms with the emotional impressions this little cataclysm is setting into our minds. Listen up, that's a rare opportunity to define the value with a certain amount of authority that previously didn't exist to us. And with the glee of my 17-year-old self witnessing the slow erosion of the previous productivity doctrine's authority, I can sit here with a new definition of value in the deep, deep meditative work to create a product that not only has physical value as an artifact and clears my front porch of the flaming bag of doggy doo-doo, but affects the environment which I am setting myself up in. That's huge. The work of interrogating the nature of value in an ever uncertain world is like crafting the keys for doors that folks haven't even realized are locked and blocking access to things that they desperately need. And it's here where we are going to wrap up the first part of our two-part series today on the invisible work of determining value in a post-corona society. I want to thank you so much for making it to the end of this podcast today. I am so excited that we're going on this journey together. I hope that this podcast brought a couple of new emotional tools and a new sense of clarity as to what we have to deal with and the power that we have to deal with it. You're not in this alone. We're all trying to figure this out together, and it feels really powerful to be able to talk about things like this with all of you. So if you, li- if you like the podcast today, please go to our sites on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or Pocket Casts and give us a follow. It's deeply appreciated. One of the best things that you can do to help move us forward is to become a founding member of Deconstruct. We love our founding members. We could not be doing this without them. Go to our Spotify podcast site and click support. It could be $5, it could be $10, it could be however much you want. 
Not only will you have the undying gratitude in a place in Deconstruct's history, you'll have first dibs when we start rolling out our promotional items, and believe me, that's coming soon. You won't want to miss it. So if you want to help us create more of this top-quality investigative material, please consider becoming a founding member today. Connect with the Deconstruct social media groups on our Linktree site. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Deconstruct Podcast. You'll be able to get our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all in the same link. It's never been easier to follow and stay up to date with the Deconstruct Podcast. For the rest of the day, I wish you peace, I wish you hope, I wish you health, I wish you safety. Stay cool, stay sharp, and stay beautiful. I'll see you soon. I'm Fitzgerald Pucci, and this is Deconstruct. Thank you.